This program is brought to you by Grand Valley State University. We're talking today with Mrs. Rita Glantz of Kentwood, Michigan. The interviewer is James Smither of Grand Valley State University. Uh, Mrs. Glantz, can you start uh, by just telling us a little bit about yourself and to begin, uh, where were you born? I was born in Vienna, Austria. In what year? Uh, 1938. Well, you were born in 38 or 33? Thir oh, 33. Born, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. I was born in 1933. But my first memory is 1938, uh, November 10th, actually, uh, when they took my father away. Okay. Now explain a little bit about the background. Uh, your, your family's Jewish. My, yeah, my family's Jewish. My father was in the feather business, mm -hmm. which back in those days was apparently very profitable. Mm -hmm. What uh, do people do with feathers? Well, Stuff pillows or other things? <laughs> We used to have mattresses that mm -hmm. were made of feathers, feather comforters, yeah. mm -hmm. feathers. He had two places, uh, one for the mattresses and mm -hmm. comforters and pillows, and another one for women used to wear um, boas, mm -hmm. hat, feathers, right. various things. So that was another place. And he owned an apartment building. And uh, uh, back in those days, like, my mother was very sick. I didn't mm -hmm. know what. Mm -hmm. She was in bed a lot. So we had, I had a nanny and uh, we had a maid and a washerwoman. And apparently my father was pretty well off. Mm -hmm. But then uh, November 10th, 1938, they came and they took him away. Mm -hmm. I remember my mother screaming and uh, back in those days apparently you could still bribe your way out. Mm -hmm. Well the Germans had only taken over Austria in April of that year so they hadn't, the Nazis hadn't really been there that long yet no. and you still would have Austrian police officials and things like yeah, that. But they were all Nazis. Mm -hmm. Because I remember looking out the window, and well, this was after they took him away, mm -hmm. actually. And they were beating up people in the street. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, he bribed his way out, and three days later he came home. Mm -hmm. And one thing that really sticks in my mind, his sister came over, and they had taken her husband away, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, he had a hardware business, and she was sitting on a bench in the hallway. And while well, as a young child, this sticks in my mind. All of a sudden, she was talking to him, and she must have fainted. Mm -hmm. And my father ran and got a bucket of water and threw it mm -hmm. at her. This really <laughs> impressed me. But they had taken him, my mm -hmm. uncle, to Dachau. Mm -hmm. In a, they loaded him all on a truck. And, mm -hmm. But my father got out with the uh, proviso that he leave the country immediately. Mm -hmm. So he went and left for Switzerland, but he went illegally. Mm -hmm. So they put him into a uh, labor camp, mm -hmm. digging roads. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, now, were there, was 
Did he tell you much about that? I mean, were there a lot of Jews who wound up doing that kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, it was a big, big community. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, well, that's skipping a lot, but I met several people after I came mm -hmm. to New York that were in that camp. And uh, as a result of him going to Switzerland mm -hmm. and writing letters, he got me on this kinder transport. Mm -hmm. and Can you explain what that was? This is a system whereby the English people let in 10,000 Jewish children mm -hmm. between the end of 1938 and July of 1939. Mm -hmm. uh, I got out on next to the last train July 11th, mm -hmm. 1939. And I, I remember my nurse took me to the station because, as I said, my mother was really mm -hmm. sick. And I had two cousins that came along, mm -hmm. uh, a girl and a boy, who later ended up in what was then Palestine. Mm -hmm. They escaped. And um, it was... A horrendous trip because mm -hmm. I remember I guess crossing the English Channel and I was I had motion sickness mm -hmm. which I found out then was very very sick and I got we all got put into this orphanage in London mm -hmm. rows and rows of beds and a few times people came and took us out for walks mm -hmm. I guess like I said, this was July of 39, mm -hmm. and England hadn't declared war yet. Yeah, the war hadn't started yet. And I remember someone took about six of us for a walk, and a lady came out, uh, came and bought us a box of black magic chocolates. Mm -hmm. It was such a nice surprise, because mm -hmm. I'm a chocolate-holic anyway. And uh, then around in September, People used to come around looking at us, mm -hmm. and this wonderful couple came, Harry and Frieda Morgan, mm -hmm. and they adopted, well, they took me mm -hmm. with the proviso for the duration of the war, mm -hmm. and they lived in Coventry, mm -hmm. which turned out was very, very badly bombed. Mm -hmm. So when they first took me, uh, I didn't speak a word of mm -hmm. English and they didn't speak a word of German. It was terrible, but they sent me to school and the kids used to throw rocks at me and call me Nazi. Mm -hmm. So I learned English very fast mm -hmm. because I explained to them that I was running from the Nazis too. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, I, th I think with two or three weeks, I was really making myself understood. Mm -hmm. And we lived, like I said, in Coventry, and each time the bombing was really bad. Mm -hmm. Like at night, they would drop incendiary bombs, right. and you could go outside and read a newspaper. That's how, it was mm -hmm. as bright as a studio. So this happened on a lot of different nights, and it wasn't... Every night they wow. were bombing, because Coventry was like practically wiped off the face mm -hmm. of the map, if you mm -hmm. ever heard of it. Yeah. Uh, and then we lived at uh, 
363 Alderman's Green, no, 37 Alderman's Green Road, I remember mm -hmm. the first place. And then it got so, so bad, we moved further down the road mm -hmm. to 363 Alderman's Green Road. And it just kept getting worse, like... Now, they, was, it, was this still kind of in a very built-up area, so still yeah, in the city Yeah, Coventry mm -hmm. is... Uh, well, we were like in the outskirts mm -hmm. of Coventry, but it didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, it was a very industrialized city. Mm -hmm. I think they supplied rubber or made airplanes yeah. or whatever. A lot of factories there, and that's why it was a target. So the, my adoptive family, I called them aunt and uncle, mm -hmm. they uh, were conscientious objectors. They were Christians, mm -hmm. called Christadelphians religion. And they, he was a stretcher bearer in the hospital, mm -hmm. and she was an air raid warden. So mm -hmm. most of my time I spent like under the stairs. Mm -hmm. We had what was called an Anderson table. It was steel with netting, mm -hmm. and I slept in the closet under the table oh. with my cat, Tuppence. Mm -hmm. Did uh, they have children? or were No. They about how old were they at the time, do you think? Uh, they must have been in their early 40s. Mm -hmm. And the reason they took me is because my name was Rita, and they always wanted a child mm -hmm. to name Rita. So anyway, uh, the bombing just got worse and worse. Like I say, they bombed mm -hmm. the waterworks. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have <clears throat> water for several days, and then they put pipes above ground. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you had to boil the water all the time. And also, like, this is funny to tell about it now, but they told you only to take a bath once a week. Mm -hmm. And first I would, it was like six inches of water. Mm -hmm. First I took a bath, then my Aunt Frida took a bath, mm -hmm. and then my uncle in the same water, mm -hmm. which now seems like... I don't know, inconceivable, yeah. but we managed. Mm -hmm. And we we didn't have that much food either, mm -hmm. but my uncle used to grow vegetables. So sometimes for supper, that's all we had was mm -hmm. we roasted an onion in the fireplace, mm -hmm. and that's what we had for supper. It was good, though. And, you know, every day we had, she made like, Rice pudding, mm -hmm. which now I won't touch mm -hmm. rice pudding because for seven years rice pudding was a bit much. And then it just got worse and worse, and we moved to another little suburb of Coventry. It was called Nuneaton, mm -hmm. which was much better. There wasn't as much bombing. Mm -hmm. And suddenly the war was over. But I didn't want to leave them because, mm -hmm. like, I, I didn't even remember hardly my mother or mm -hmm. my father, you know. In the interim, I had gotten a letter from my father that my mother had died. Mm -hmm. But I don't really know if she died mm -hmm. or was put to death right. because back then they used to put sick people yes, they did. to death. But years and years later, a cousin of mine um, went to Vienna and he put her name on my grandmother's tombstone. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what happened to her. And 
anyway, I didn't want to leave England because to me these people were my only family. Mm-hmm. But my father, <laughs> he wrote a letter to the Prime Minister, mm-hmm. Churchill, and the King at the time. Mm-hmm. He wanted to get me out of there. I don't know why. And in the meantime, his brother-in-law, my uncle, who had been in Dachau, Mm -hmm. he had a sister in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And as a result, she was able to get him out of Dachau. Mm -hmm. Uh, Early 39. He was in there like six months and get him to a place called Kitchener Camp in England, which mm-hmm. was a rehabilitation camp. Right. But he never was rehabilitated. Uh, he was like a, a nervous mental mm-hmm. re- wreck. Right. And um, because of this sister of his in Brooklyn, uh, he he was able, with my aunt, to come to America. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't stand New York because, like I said, he was such a mess. Mm-hmm. So they went to relatives that had escaped in the First World War and mm-hmm. gone to Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's where they lived. So my father, through all his letter writing, see, I would have legally been... Uh, been my uh, belonging to my aunt and uncle mm-hmm. by September of 39 from September of 39 to September 46 mm-hmm. the seven years would have been up mm-hmm. but he wanted me out of there so he got me out of there in May of mm-hmm. 1946 to Birmingham Alabama and let's uh, well, Back up a little bit. I want to fill in a little bit uh, more of some of the mm-hmm. story. Uh, you, you live in, in England, the Coventry area there, for mm-hmm. seven years. Um, now, once you had begun to make yourself un- understood mm-hmm. there in, in school, um, how did you get along with the kids in school? Oh, great. Yeah, I was, I was really happy there, you know. Uh, I felt at home. And... Uh, I made lots of friends, mm-hmm. and I mean, I felt like, well, my aunt and uncle, I felt like they were my parents, because right. as I said, I hadn't seen my father since I was five, mm-hmm. my mother since I was six, mm-hmm. and then I did, I knew she was dead. Mm-hmm. My father taught himself English in Switzerland, mm-hmm. and he used to write letters. Now, did you remember any of your German at that point, or were you losing track of that? Not really, no. I, uh, like, blocked it out of my memory. Mm -hmm. However, well, to skip back, then, if you want me to, I I lived in Birmingham, Alabama, which I thought I'd died and gone to hell. (laughs) Because back in those days, the worst thing was being black, mm-hmm. and the next worst thing was being Jewish. Right. This was in 1946. Mm-hmm. God, I hated it. And plus, it was so hot coming from a European yes. climate. Yes. And in fact, when I got to the railroad station, I 
back in those days, the trains were all, everything was segregated. Right. right. <coughs> and I myself had never seen an Afro-American person. Mm -hmm. And the terrific, intense heat when I got mm -hmm. off the train. I was still wearing winter clothes. Mm -hmm. This was May 13th, 1946. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought when I saw these uh, black people, I thought that was a deep suntan because mm -hmm. <laughs> it was so, you, you have no conception, the heat from coming from Europe mm -hmm. to that. So I really hated it there. And um, back those days, America had a quota system. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they do now. And I was on the Austrian quota. That's mm -hmm. why I was able to come here in mm -hmm. 46. But my father had been, um, back in those days, it was sometimes it was Poland, sometimes it was Russia. Mm -hmm. In 1914, when his family escaped mm -hmm. and went to Austria. So he was on the Polish quota, mm -hmm. which the United States had a lower quota right. system. Right. So he didn't get here till 1947. And when he got off the train, I mean, my aunt said, that's your father. I really, really didn't know him mm -hmm. because uh, he had been a businessman mm -hmm. prior to my seeing. Right. And then for seven years, he'd been digging roads. He right. was real thin and mm -hmm. he didn't look like the same person, you know. Mm -hmm. I, you don't, I didn't have that overwhelming feeling, wow, that's my father, you know? Mm -hmm. But anyway, he hated Birmingham too. So mm -hmm. he stayed like two weeks and he went to New York. And um, people that he had done business with prior to the war mm -hmm. and started with the feather business mm -hmm. because it, he was working for someone, it wasn't his own business. Right. So I stayed in Birmingham till 1949, and he, he used to write letters, you know, how lonely he is, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. So I thought I would go to New York, because mm -hmm. I had heard better things about New York. Right. And I went there, and he put me up with some friends of his mm -hmm. from Switzerland. So I only saw him on weekends mm -hmm. anyway. And then... On my 17th birthday, I had made a lot of friends in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. and they made me a surprise birthday party. And uh, it was a Saturday night, and I called him up to tell him, and he wasn't home. Mm -hmm. And the next morning, he came to the house I was staying, and he said, come on, get up, I got married last night. Mm -hmm. So he had married this woman he also met in Switzerland mm -hmm. from... Stuttgart and her husband had been killed mm -hmm. and back in those days it was hard to get apartments and right. everything so they had gotten a furnished apartment in Queens mm -hmm. New York and that was also a funny story uh, the people that lived in the other floor they were also from had lived in England mm -hmm. And the mother-in-law, she came over one day, and she was talking. She said, yes, I came over on a ship called the Drottningholm, which was the ship I came mm -hmm. 
And she said, oh, my goodness, you're the little girl they carried on board screaming. Mm -hmm. She remembered me. So, and I was seasick the whole, mm -hmm. it was 10 days, mm -hmm. took 10 days. And uh, then finally they were able, my father was able to get an apartment in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. We moved to Brooklyn and I went to, back in those days, it was the biggest high school in the United States, Erasmus Hall. Mm -hmm. And graduated from Erasmus Hall and went to Brooklyn College for two years. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I quit to get married and said I would go back within a year. Well, P.S., it's 54 years later mm -hmm. and I never did, unfortunately. And uh, I met my husband in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. and he had escaped, I think I mentioned, from Germany, and was in Ireland. So we were like always in next door countries. Mm -hmm. When I came to Alabama, he had come to Connecticut. And it's he not came. quite so next door, but closer. Wow. Well, uh, <laughs> and then. He came to Brooklyn, and I came to Brooklyn, and that's how we met. Mm -hmm. And how much older was he than you? A lot. <laughs> Eleven years, actually. So. Uh, Did he say much about what it was like being in Ireland during the war? Uh, yeah, well, what happened, the Jewish community in Ireland donated land. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these kids... You know, some of the, well, some of them were older mm -hmm. in their 20s, but, you know, 15, 16, 17, and they built it up, mm -hmm. made it like a farm, and they grew vegetables and stuff mm -hmm. for the soldiers. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was in Danachadi in Ireland. And uh, he went back in 1980. No, I think 1990, mm -hmm. went and looked at it. The farm. And they didn't have hardly any bombing, you know. It yeah, was well, there was, was he in, in Northern Ireland, the British part? or yeah. Okay. Because if he was in the Irish Republic, that was a neutral country yeah. at that point. And they, no, he was in yeah. the British part. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that's, then he had family that had also escaped in mm -hmm. 1914. And they ended up in Connecticut, and that's how he put an ad in the paper, mm -hmm. and anybody related to, well, his father, Nathan Steinberg, mm -hmm. right big around, you know, mm -hmm. back then, used to have two last names, and he immediately got an answer from a great aunt of his, mm -hmm. and that's how he got she sponsored him, and within three weeks, he was here. Mm -hmm. So, uh, because he, the German quota was larger. Right. So, uh, so that's, that's my story. That's how I... Uh, okay. Um, if I, we may like to go back again a little bit here, to look at what was going on in England. I mean, during that period when you were living with, with, with in Coventry and so forth. Um, how much were you aware of what was going on in Europe and the war? Were you paying attention to that kind of thing? We used to uh, have, well. Hmm. I have to apologize. Um, some sort of radio keying in suddenly on her microphone. Okay. 
I just want to give you a quick swap of the microphone. Mm -hmm. I do apologize for interrupting. Sounds good. I want to make sure that we get it all. Can you plug me here? There we go. Just put that in the same position. Okay. All right. Okay. I was asking you about uh, following news yeah. of the war and so forth. So how did you learn about things? Well, we read the newspaper, mm -hmm. and we had broadcasts every night on the radio. We mm -hmm. didn't. There was no such thing as TV. Right. And uh, they used to play every night the national anthems of each allied country. Mm -hmm. uh, on the radio. We always stayed up to listen to that. And you, you know, you knew what was going on mm -hmm. somewhat. I mean, not everything, but. How worried did people seem to be in the first couple of years of the war? Very worried, yeah. England, when I first got adopted, they seemed to think, from what I understood, that. Hitler was going to be there any day. Mm -hmm. This was in September of 39. Well, that was when the war started. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, we and had so many air raids, and mm -hmm. it was two specific times I remember. As I said, my uncle was a stretcher bearer, mm -hmm. and he was gone for five days. We had I think it was in, I don't remember, it was 1940 or 41, we had straight bombing. Mm -hmm. They just never, ever yeah, stopped. Yeah, late 1940 was, was a major attack. And uh, we didn't see him for five mm -hmm. days. You know, my, my aunt was frantic. Mm -hmm. And then he finally came home. And, of course, they bombed the hospital, too. Mm -hmm. And then Coventry was very famous for its cathedral. Right. And the shell of the cathedral is still standing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been back many, right. many times. And it was just like an empty hole. Right. And the only thing that was left, which was amazing to most people, is a, like a little plaque that said, In God We Trust, mm -hmm. which is still there. And now next to it, they've built this beautiful, ultra-modern cathedral, right. which is very controversial because mm -hmm. people think it's a little too modern. Mm -hmm. But basically, uh, Coventry was like wiped off mm -hmm. the map. They bombed everything. Okay. And was there a lot of damage in the neighborhoods that you were living in, at least at first? Yeah. Did you I remember walking to school in the houses with like piles of rubble. Mm -hmm. Once I saw a hand, mm -hmm. arm. Another time, and this was terrible, I saw like a head sticking out. Mm -hmm. And we had a, our classes mostly in the air raid shelter mm -hmm. because, and we would have a little board, blackboard like this, each, and a piece of chalk because we had no paper. Right. In fact, this is ridiculous, but we didn't even have toilet paper. We mm -hmm. used to have to do, use newspaper. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, I mean, people here can't comprehend what no, it was like. It's hard for me even to comprehend that, what it was like at that time.
But like I say, certain things I'll never forget. Like in Vienna, had they used to walk along and women, men, kids, you know, saying Zieg Heil. Mm -hmm. it, it was unbelievable. That's why it's it's really hard to comprehend how people can be that way. Mm -hmm. Did your father tell you much about what life was like in, in Vienna before the Nazis got there? Oh, it was wonderful. That's why I said to him, how come you kept staying there? Mm -hmm. So he said, well, what do you think? I would ever believe that this crazy person mm -hmm would make something of himself. Right. He said, we never thought it would happen. He said, mm -hmm. I had two businesses, I had an apartment building, we had everything. Mm -hmm. And he said, I wasn't going to leave because I thought nothing would ever happen. Right. And now he had nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, he tried to get, um, I mean, like retribution or whatever you call it. Yeah. But he never did. Uh, but he died, he, he was 89 years old mm -hmm. here, he died in Brooklyn, so at least he had some peace, but um, he kept, you know, I used to say to him, why didn't you leave before? And mm -hmm. Because I've spoken to several people that did, mm -hmm. and uh, he said, why would you leave your business, your mm -hmm. property, and everything? Because this was a crazy person. Right. Yeah, and it was a little bit different being in Austria rather than being in Germany, too. Well, from what I understand, the Austrians were worse than the Germans as far as uh, being anti-Semitic. Mm -hmm. So, and then I had an aunt and uncle. They were both physicians, and they were head of the what was called the Krankenkasse, which was like socialized medicine, mm -hmm. and they were able to get out with their two sons mm -hmm. to the Dominican Republic. And then that was my mother's brother and his wife. Mm -hmm. Then my father had a sister, another sister that was with her husband, able to get to Mexico. Mm -hmm. Because people used to, if you had a visa, but you got on a boat if you had enough money and you mm -hmm. didn't even know where you were going. Mm -hmm. So, like I say, my father was one of eight, but they all got killed. Mm -hmm. And my mother, her brother and her sister and her husband and child, they were all killed. Mm -hmm. But one story which I will never forget. This was right the day after they took my father away, November. Mm -hmm. We had an egg man we used to call the Schwindler, which is the swindler. Mm -hmm. He came all the time, delivered eggs, and the cook would always give him coffee and everything. It was like friendly person. Mm -hmm. Well, the day after they took my father away, he came to the house, and we had this big china closet, like... Mm -hmm which, I mean, I didn't realize, but there was like a bunch of gold dishes in there, mm -hmm. which I certainly didn't care about. 
and he came and he took my doll carriage and he went like this and swept these gold dishes mm -hmm. into the doll carriage and pushing it away and I was screaming and grabbing his leg. My nurse came over and she's pulling me away. Mm -hmm. I mean, later when I came to Birmingham, my aunt told me those dishes were real gold because mm -hmm. my mother's brother had owned a gold mine. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I didn't really care about the dishes, right. but my doll carriage. Mm -hmm. And um, that was very uh, an upsetting, traumatizing thing for me, which sounds silly now, but... It actually doesn't sound so silly at all. <laughs> just... I can't forget. I could still see his face. Mm -hmm. It's... Uh, yeah. no, but, yeah. Like I say, he must have been aware of what was going sure. on, because why did he come the day after they took my father well, that, away? That, well, that, that's also right about at, at the time when they had Kristallnacht and so Well, that was Kristallnacht. Yeah, yes. And so there... Uh, November 10th. Mm -hmm. But anyway, as I told you, I forgot my German. Mm -hmm. So when my father married my stepmother, mm -hmm. she was illiterate in all languages. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to teach her English to become a citizen. Right. And my German all came back to me. Mm -hmm. She never did learn English because um, <laughs> I was teaching her more well, back then. There's 48 states in the United mm -hmm. States, you know, and five boroughs in New York. And I took her for her citizenship papers. And they asked her how many states in the United States. And she said, Fins, which is five. Mm -hmm. uh, but they passed her anyway. <laughs> So, uh, but that's how I, my German came back to me, but I don't like to speak German because mm -hmm. it brings back too many bad memories. Sure. Okay. Now, in England, you had, there's a period there early in the war where the Germans doing a lot of bombing, and then there's a phase of after that where a lot of that led up. Did life get somewhat more normal, or were there continually raids at night once in a while that would... Oh, in Coventry... It was like every night, you know, mm -hmm. we had, they did two hours daylight savings time, yeah. which was ridiculous because they thought they wouldn't come if it was uh, daylight. Mm -hmm. Well, like I told you, that one instance, they bombed five days a night right, straight. Right, right. And uh, it, it was terrible until... I can't really remember. It was a nightly thing, it mm -hmm. seemed like. Yeah, well, every 1940 night. and 41, they did a lot. After yeah. that, they were running lower on bombers in either yeah. places. But so, they still did conduct raids. A lot. Mm -hmm. And then I told you we moved to Nuneaton, mm -hmm. which uh, it was like Kentwood to Grand Rapids, mm -hmm. maybe. Uh, so it wasn't as bad, but you could hear. Yes. And then when the war was over, it was June 6th, I remember we had this big block party, and my aunt made me a costume out of the blackout curtains. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was her job. She used to go around as an air raid warden mm -hmm. looking for 
little specks of light right. coming through the window. But Nuneaton never did get bombed that much, mm -hmm. but Coventry was unbelievable. And did you see anything of uh, American or foreign soldiers during the war? Were they based anywhere around there? I saw a baseball game, yeah, mm -hmm. American soldiers. And a bunch of us went, and we were sitting in the stands, and they were playing baseball, and this one friend, her name was Marie, and the baseball came and hit her right here, mm -hmm. and she, like, was unconscious for quite a while. That was my first impression of baseball. Mm -hmm. oh. And then also there was this a thing, oh, a distant, distant relative. He must have been in the American Navy. Mm -hmm. And he came over, my aunt in Birmingham had told where we were living and everything. And he was stationed not far from mm -hmm. Coventry. And he came <laughs> and he brought uh, Plantis peanuts, mm -hmm. uh, two one-pound cans, mm -hmm. and as I said, we had hardly any food right. and certainly hardly any candy. Mm -hmm. Everything was rationed, so I pigged out on these <laughs> Plantis peanuts, and it was around Christmas time actually. And I don't know. One day, I just passed out. And I had a ruptured appendix. Mm -hmm. And apparently, this is what the doctor said back then, that eating all these peanuts caused, mm -hmm. aggravated my appendix and caused it to rupture. But that was my uh, uh, being a pig, actually. Mm -hmm. And another time, my aunt had sent me from America some chewing gum. Mm -hmm. And I was caught in class chewing gum, mm -hmm. which was if right. you weren't allowed to chew. We didn't have any gum. Mm -hmm. So I got kept after school. So I was walking home by myself. It was like 4 o'clock. And um, the sirens went. And it was the rule that you had to get into an air raid shelter because mm -hmm. we had them along the road. Right. But most people had their own in the house. So I went in, and it was empty, and I stayed there a while, and it was dark, and mm -hmm. I was scared of the dark. I must have been about eight, I think. Mm -hmm. So I started to run away from the shelter, and there was a direct hit on the air raid shelter. Wow. So I guess I had a guardian angel someplace, because I had a couple of narrow escapes. Mm -hmm. But... Um, other than that, I guess I'm lucky to be alive mm -hmm. because most of my family didn't make it. Mm -hmm. So, actually, has some families go here's had a pretty good record. You had relatives who got out. Yeah, I two aunts and uh, my mother's brother, mm -hmm. and they later got to New York. Of course, they're all dead now, mm -hmm. but. Uh, yeah, they managed to get out. So It's a remarkable nice story, and thank you for telling it to oh, us today. You're welcome. I'm glad I survived to tell it. Right. <laughs> okay. The preceding program is copyrighted by Grand Valley State University. Visit us at gbsu.edu.